Hello and welcome back to episode four of the Clear Cruise podcast. My name is Toby Cruz, and yes, I'm not Andy Harmer. Sorry about that, but he's actually away preparing for episode five this week. So uh, you've got to put up with my voice for a little while. Uh, so coming up today, journalist Jeremy Skidmore sits down with the independent cruise expert Thomas Illis to talk about sustainability in the growing cruise industry. Meanwhile, Andy Harmer and Travel Weekly's Lucy Huxley, you may have heard of them, they chat with Celebrity Cruise's Chief Marketing Officer Peter Georgie in the run-up to the launch of the hotly anticipated Celebrity Edge. And we'll be checking back in with Peter Collar to take a look at the latest from Australasia. Anyway, that's enough of my voice for now because it is time to check in with Andy Harmer and Lucy Huxley at the Innovation Lab in Miami. Enjoy. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you tell us how you ended up in the cruise industry? Yeah, so the uh, very first vacation I ever took, as a matter of fact, was a cruise. Um, it was a seven night out of San Juan on Adventure of the Seas about 20 years oh, ago. Wow, yeah. The first time I ever traveled outside of Canada. Um, and I remember at the time thinking it was just, it was just the best thing I'd ever done in terms of travel. That, um, and so it's always held kind of a special place for me. Um, prior to this, I was at another travel company and really fell in love with the segment. There's something about it that's just so, um, it combines so many of the things that I love, right? New experiences, food, technology, um, people, all of those things come together in travel. And, uh, and so when I heard a rumor about this role being opened, I, I threw my hat in the ring and I was fortunate enough to, to land the job and here I am. So it's been a wonderful series ago. of events, about two years ago now. And yes. so tell us about your role, your CMO of Celebrity Cruises. So yeah. tell us what your role entails. Yeah, I, th I think of myself as being a bit of an evangelist, that my job, uh, if I do it well, is to get more people to take a cruise. It's really about um, convincing folks that this way of traveling is everything that I know that it is. I think there's still a barrier out there for yeah. a lot of people about yeah. what a cruise can be. Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions, so we talk about these cruise myths and how we address those myths and overcome the myths um, and really start to become a travel company as opposed to a cruise company. That's how I think of us. Wow. And, and when we're marketing to those people who haven't tried a cruise before, does yeah. that mean we have to overcome those misconceptions as well as selling the actual holiday product? Or Yeah, there's certainly a little bit of that. Um, fortunately, the misconceptions are just that, and we can address them fairly easily. Um, but it is a big risk mm. to, to someone who's never done this. Uh, I always say to my team, I can't mail you a sample of a cruise, right. you know, yeah, like course. it's a laundry detergent or something like that. We can't do that. The hardest thing is to get you on the ship. Um, so we try to bring that experience to life as much as we can to, um, to express in the best way possible what it is that makes our ships beautiful and really to, to, look, at, um, to look at the brand outside of just those traditional sort of cruise channels. We're such a small percentage of travel. Of course, yeah. Um, and if someone tells me that they love food or that they love um, museums, culture, sports, whatever it is, we can take you to those places to experience the things that you love. We're a vehicle to take you around the world. Um, I once explained this to someone as being like uh, going to a beautiful restaurant and having the tasting menu because you really yeah. want, just want to try a little bit of everything right. and see what you love. That's kind of how I think of it. I like that, that's good. So tell me, how does uh, technology play a part in the marketing strategy for Celebrity? 
It's, it's actually really hard to separate the two at this point. Okay. Um, whether you think about from a messaging standpoint, um, how we bring technology to life and explain the technology on board to people in a way that can be sort of magnetic, um, or whether it's how technology plays a role in the way that we segment and create and deliver our messaging. Yeah. Um, they're just so intertwined at this point. It's, uh, it's part and parcel of everything that we do, really. Okay, but it is magnetic and you do find that people are responding. Absolutely. Yeah, I think as a category, we are probably a little bit behind um, in terms of you know, consumer-facing technology and what I can hold in my hand and use on a regular basis, um, but not that far behind. And we've just accelerated the, the progress you know, to such a great extent. I think we'll be on the leading edge um, quite soon. But you, know, you look at the technology in our product, um, in the ships themselves, mm -hmm. that is undeniable. Yeah. You think about the technology, we're sitting here right in front of our, our 3D cave where we designed Celebrity Edge. So technology and innovation is at the core of really even how we're bringing these ships to life, just how we're, you know, how we're constructing them. So it's woven through everything that we do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you said earlier that tech was at the absolute core Definitely. of the hardware of Edge that, that, that's due to come out. So can you tell us any more? Can you give us any snippets of what kind of things we're going to see on this new ship <laughs> driven by technology? You know the answer to that already, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is, so I look at things and think um, just beyond, you know, the what our new app will do for us and what stateroom automation will do for us. And I really do think about the technology that goes into something like the magic carpet working. How do you how does that thing get designed and how does it work and how does it function every day for us? There's a huge amount of, mm. um, of technology involved in so many aspects of the ship. I uh, think about the infinite veranda and that technology that goes into yes. creating this room that is now 30% bigger and more customizable. Um, and so it's in the service of the guest instead of something that we force upon them. Uh, but beyond that, I can't say too much. Or anything. <laughs> well, I did try. Maybe I just don't even know. Oh. <laughs> um, and how competitive does it get with other cruise lines who are also investing in new technology and innovation in their new ships? Because you know, it's, it's obviously yeah. an important marketing message. It is. We, the truth is we don't tend to think about um, the cruise category that much. I think if we benchmark ourselves against the competition, um, we're limiting the creativity, we're limiting, you know, we're, we're taking the ceiling down a little bit. What we want to mm. do is think about the guest. What do they need? Um, how can we best serve them through technology instead of locking them into something um, that maybe they don't want to use? I think it, it has to be yeah. guest-centric. So we start with how to best serve our customers and then think about building an ecosystem around that that makes it really easy and enjoyable for them. Um, we don't tend to benchmark ourselves against anybody. But presumably you're using new technologies in terms of like social media oh, and things absolutely. in order to market absolutely. those technologies uh, 100%. too. So t tell us about how you actually promote it. Yeah, so we will, um, uh, the launch of Edge is actually a great example where, you know, about a year ago, um, right here in the Innovation Lab, we, we hosted an event where we launched Celebrity Edge. Um, yeah, we, we were, were here. We were. We were. We That's came. where we, we met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I know you from. Um, and, and so, you know, typically those events are sort of closed, press only. Thank you very much. You'll see it in the, you'll see it in the papers. 
And that event was live streamed to everybody on Facebook. And we were monitoring that live stream, responding to questions. And so we were able to use really simple technology to take what's traditionally a closed event and open it up to everyone who was interested in the ship. We've done that with Culinary. We'll do it again um, and share the, you know, share the video uh, of Spa next week. Yeah. And so it helps us provide a sense of openness. Um, we're able to segment the audience and, and ensure that we're not providing an irrelevant message to somebody. That's just frustrating. If I'm, you know, if I'm shouting at you with a message that is not relevant to yeah. you, right. it's just sort of frustrating and that's on us. And so we have to make sure that we use technology to target you properly and get you the right message at the right time. So it's actually valuable. And that noise that you make around a ship launch like Edge, presumably travel agents will then also latch onto that and use that opportunity to also shout about their product and their Absolutely. service. Absolutely. Yeah, and they're a big part of, you know, they have been a big part of all of the launches with us. Um, they're such an important part of the business. So we want to bring them in. And then also, yeah. you know, we're, we're able now to, you know, film and edit a video and then provide that video to travel agents that day. Right. Um, Perfect. And they can put it on their websites exactly. and they can be pushing right. it out on right. all their social channels. Absolutely. And do Great. you find with a new ship launch like Edge that that also helps promote the brand as well? So the other ships? Certainly. Yes, absolutely. It, it's sort of, you know, every brand has a, a Halo product. Um, and Edge certainly right now is our Halo product. But um, as a modern luxury brand, I often say that that, you know, modern luxury suggests that you are always moving forward. That is not static. It's not something that stays still or doesn't evolve. It always has to be pushed forward. And so Edge kind of reestablishes, you know, the horizon for us. Everything else will catch up with that with mm -hmm. Celebrity Revolution. Um, you know, we're literally taking the rest yeah. of the fleet kind of down to the steel and bringing it up to, you know, the evolving standards of modern luxury, which is a real, a real privilege for us. It makes my job substantially easier. Yeah. <laughs> you do have some great product to talk we about. We do. So, yeah. yeah, and product is the best marketing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen great marketing from a company without a great product. Sure. They really have to go hand in hand. So it's, um, it's wonderful to come in every day and know that I have the ability to, to bring these great products to new people. Great. Well, we can't wait for the arrival of Edge. I'm and, so uh, excited. Thank you so yes. much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Great. Hello, I'm Jeremy Skidmore and we've got an independent cruise expert and analyst, Thomas Illis. Welcome, Thomas. Welcome, thank you very much um, for here. Now, I want to pick your brains on cruising. You're an expert in this area. And cruising, when, when we talk about sustainability and growth, um, cruising often gets a bad rap. And people say lots of cruise ships coming into certain ports and thousands of people getting off ships but um put give us a little bit of a, a perspective if you can on it how big the, the shipping industry is well i mean um of course if you are in a tiny town of course if cruise ships are entering i mean they are damned visible right mm. so you see them uh and then of course a lot of people they really get the the impression that uh, this is uh, invasion uh, going on which uh, in some parts of the world it really can be felt like this but yeah let's let's put things into perspective i mean if we talk about venice for example um we have about 30 million uh, tourists per year and about 1.6 million cruise guests per year mm -hmm. so this puts things already in perspective i i don't want to to say that cruise ships aren't a problem or a challenge in some areas not at all there are challenges they have to be solved but again you know another figure i mean if you if you if you take the whole cruise industry today 
I mean, all cruise ships, ocean cruise ships filled at capacity one year, still equal to just about a little bit more than the half of annual visitors to Las Vegas in Las Vegas. Uh, I love that stat because that does that does really uh, sum it up well. Um, so that's putting it in perspective. But of course, obviously, nobody can be complacent. And I just wonder what uh, the cruise industry ought to be doing. Um, we, we know that some of the more modern ships are much more sustainable, but does there need to be some kind of legislation around emissions in, in, in cruise water, in, in uh, certain seas or around shipbuilding? What, what, what's your view on legislation? I think legislation is a crucial uh, part of, of uh, successful business and successful improvements. Um, because, you know, if you have um, a, a shipping company, shipping company A, and they have to compete against the shipping company B, I think mm. it's very important that both have the same, same um, standards or also the same legislation uh, to be followed, because then they have the same... Uh, well, let's put it the other, uh, in another way. I mean, if you do something which costs you money, mm -hmm. um, you don't do that if your competitor is not doing it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so because you are, you 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 have to survive in the business. You have to make profit in the business. And the most of the uh, cruise companies are also listed companies. For example, I mean, uh, um, the return investment uh, must be proven. Um, so then you really need maybe legislation where you can grant um, that uh, everybody has to stick to the same rules. Mm. I, when we talk to tourism officials in the cities, they're, they're, they're very quick to point out the benefits that cruise passengers bring. And it's not that they want to stop them, but there are some uh, situations where they want to stagger the, 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 the influx, maybe smooth out visitors over uh, perhaps a whole week rather than seeing cruise passengers all come into a city on on certain days. That makes sense, doesn't it? I think it may be a small step, but it makes sense. Well, again, as, as we mentioned before, collaboration, cooperation will be the key. Now, the, the, the question is uh, how much collaboration and cooperation can be um, between the cruise companies. I mean, here, I think CLIA, the Cruise Lines International Association, has an important role uh, in coordinating, trying to coordinating uh, those things um, better. Um, look at the airport, for example. We know the slots. We have we have slots, uh, landing slots, takeoff slots. Uh, we don't have such a system still uh, in in the cruise business. But maybe one day, uh, maybe sooner than later, we will need to discuss about that. Then, of course, the other question will be who will then uh, give the slots? I mean, who is owning this kind of slots? There's there's, there's no uh, such um, such institution right now. Um, being able uh, to trade with, with, with port slots, for example. But we have that also in the, in, the, in the container shipping industry, for example. There, there is a system of slots also, yeah. because then um, you have so much more uh, merchant ships, which are not cruise ships in the world. By the way, this is also an interesting figure. Only about 05 to 0.75% of the whole um, um, merchant, deep sea merchant ship fleet uh, is, is, are, are cruise ships. Yeah. So again, you see how tiny this industry still is but again nevertheless the cruise industry wants to grow and they will grow more and more people want to travel by by, by, by cruise ships so we will have to uh, solve some some of the challenges it's it's about long-term planning isn't it because more people are going to travel more cruise ships are coming on board 
a lot of us love cruising. You know, it's a great holiday, but how do we sustain that growth? It's about long-term planning, isn't it? It is, it is. And uh, that's what we said before, we mentioned before, the, the short-term profit against a long-term planning might uh, mm. conflict uh, sometimes, but I think really that um, in order to, uh, to, to succeed in, in continuing this, this, this success story um, of, of cruising, we need to think uh, middle and, and especially long term. Otherwise, the cruise industry is facing the danger, the danger of um, getting a victim of its own success. Yeah. Um, there has been discussion about using pricing in certain cities to control the, the, the growth of numbers of tourists to certain destinations. When you look at cruise ships, I, I mean, one of the things that, that's very attractive about cruise ships is that they can offer great value for money, particularly for families and they're all inclusive and, and you, you know, the, the, the deals you can get are great. Now that, that's fantastic for customers, but I wonder whether that pricing in the future may have to change if, uh, if, if, if we are gonna be more sustainable particularly to pay for some of the things that, uh, that, that need to be done. Well, here we are, I think we have general, again, uh, the, the, this, this, this is a general um, uh, challenge in tourism generally. The more people uh, can travel, the more people can afford traveling, mm. um, the more uh, pressure you have on in pricing, right? Yeah. Or otherwise said, um, the lower the pricing is, uh, the more people can, uh, can, can afford to travel. And so this is the kind of democracy we have in traveling. There is unfortunately, I think, no human right for, for traveling freely, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, that's, I think, a conflict uh, we have in, in the whole tourism industry, by the way, in all industries. Um, lower the price for something and you get more and more customers uh, being able to afford uh, for these products. Whether we will have to increase prices in cruising uh, for, uh, in the long-term future, it might be. But then, of course, again, we have to ask ourselves, do we have to increase pricing general in tourism? Mm. Because again, as I, as I mentioned before, cruising is still a small fraction uh, of the challenge of the problem. Um, is it uh, something we can afford um, in the world on, on the long-term base uh, to afford all the people want to travel, want to to, to, to fly very very cheaply to do so. This will be a big question, I think. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that uh, we can, uh, we can we, we, I think we, we will not be able to avoid um, a kind of pricing uh, which is regulating also yeah. the masses of, of tourists yeah. in these days. It's incredible. When I first started uh, writing about cruising, it was seen as um, a holiday for lottery winners or millionaires and now it's seen as one of the best value holidays you can have so it's gone from one extreme to the other that's we part of the success right that's yeah. part of the success of this industry yeah. yeah because we don't have to forget cruising is, is cruising is still a very young industry i mean uh, the way we see it now it just started in the in, in the late 60s 70s um uh, so the the growth rates are tremendous, are, are one of the highest in the whole tourism industry per year. Why is that so? Because it's uh, it's a very good value for money, and more and more people are really discovering that it is so. There are several reasons for that. I mean, which which could be also discussed, of course. Why is it mm -hmm. so great value for money? But it's a big success story. But now, really, they have to cruise industry has to take care uh, to to continue this 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 story, this success story. Yeah, and. One of the 
challenges, I guess, is, are the itineraries. I mean, everybody wants to go to the same destinations to see the same sites, don't they? And and it would be great if you could spread all the cruise ships around all different ports in the world. But in reality, there are a few tourist hotspots that people want to go to. That's not going to change, is it? I mean, the cruise uh, companies are developing um, new ports, new destinations. They are doing so. And one of the big advantages of cruise ships um, against land-based hotels is that cruise ships are movable assets, right? You can really take them and place them to several destinations. And there are new ports, new destinations. But you're right. I mean, if, if you have somebody from Australia, South America, US or China, I mean, all these new uh, growing markets, uh, they want to go to Dubrovnik, they want to go to Venice, Barcelona, they want to go to Santorini um, or Stockholm, or you just name it, St. Petersburg. So you cannot tell them that uh, in order uh, to spread the whole market, uh, we, we will not call there. Instead, we go to, to, to some tiny little islands, uh, less known islands. Mm -hmm. They all want to get to the same place, you know. And But again, that's that's the whole issue and the whole challenge in tourism generally that we have these hot spots in the world everybody wants to get there there you have also the logistics there you have the airports there you can fly in all those people there and they're not not on the tiny little islands right mm -hmm. so everybody is at the same time at the same uh, at the same spot or at the same spot at the same time and <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you do see in some ports ships anchored some distance from the port that's perhaps because the ship is too big to come into that particular uh, port and passengers are tendered in and, and of course because of the, the, the size of the tender boat that the numbers are less than if everybody walked off at the same time is, is that some kind of solution to staggering people or, or, or does that not really make much difference? Well, tendering options are um, are quite costly, and then also from an environmental standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, you need more fuel. Um, it, it's it's again, you know, against a sustainable, um, environment-friendly operation. Uh, so I wouldn't say that it's an option if you have a, a vessel uh, with 6,000 passengers um, uh, that you are tendering them all in and out all the time. So um, I, I so don't think yeah. this is the solution. Um, no. Um, when we've seen uh, ship visits staggered and perhaps a ship staying from early morning till, to, till late in the evening, that, that might help in terms of um, staggering numbers. One of the flip sides, I guess, is that the, the ship is then having to steam along to the next port a bit quicker than it would do if it had gone earlier. And therefore, it's burning more fuel. It's it, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? That's one thing. And the other thing is, of course, um, maybe some shipping companies are losing some onboard uh, profit uh, options if they are staying longer. Okay, maybe, maybe they can maybe sell more land arrangements, land tours. But on the other hand, as, as this is the big conflict also, you know, if you're talking about uh, about the cruise industry, because on one hand, uh, the cruise industry, I think, should really uh, go forward uh, in collaborating more with the locals, with the local residents that they can also benefit from an economic standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, because um, this is very important. I think that the, that the local residents are seeing clear benefits uh, mm -hmm. in letting cruise ships coming in. On the other hand, of course, uh, uh, when we talk about uh, profit maximizing, um, the cruise ships, they want to sell as much as they can on board. Mm. So if you are extending uh, the, the stays in the ports, they might lose uh, some onboard profit. At the same time, they, have in, they are faced with increased 
operating costs, as you mentioned, because they have to steam maybe uh, um, steam with, with a higher speed to the next destination. And today we are generally in shipping, not only in cruise shipping, also in cargo shipping. We are all talking about slow steaming mm. because, of course, the, the, the best fuel is the fuel you're not burning. Right. Yeah. So this is the most economic friendly, environmentally friendly, friendly fuel. Yeah. And you, you, you talked about everybody wants to visit the same uh, attractions and cities, and that's undoubtedly true. There are some cruise passengers, though, for whom the ship is, is everything, and they're, they're, they're not actually too bothered about the destination, some of them. I mean, I, I've heard some cruise um, executives even saying that the destination isn't, you know, the, the ports aren't that important to, to, to some of their passengers. And I, I once interviewed actually somebody in, in Australia, a family in Australia who weren't bothering to get off in Sydney, which I found mind boggling. But anyway, um, if, if perhaps there are some cruises for, for, for people who just want the ship experience and they could chug around and, and, and maybe go to a port or two that isn't that popular. I don't know whether we can segment it in that way. There are some passengers who just want the ship. What do you think? I mean, you're absolutely right. And there are cruise ship, uh, cruise executives. They say, we want to build our ships as a known destination. We, mm. we want to build the ship uh, as a large resort where people don't want, don't feel the wish uh, to leave the ship. And this, of course, could on one hand, uh, maybe solve a kind of over-tourism, overcrowding port, yeah. for ports, right? Yeah. On the other hand, we have to then ask ourselves, okay, but these ships are still using energy, they are... Maybe you can switch off the engine, just float around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, switching off the engines without air conditioning, without oh, yeah, uh, the hotel yeah. loads. You know, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the energy consumption is huge uh, yeah. of, of a ship like yeah. this. And uh, if you are just emitting some emissions uh, uh, outside of a port, uh, then we have to talk about uh, environmentally friendly um, yeah. energy uh, generation and so on. There's lots, lots going on right now, but you're, you're right. I mean, that might be one of, an, uh, one of the necessities uh, in the future that we need more people not wanting to leave their destination, mm. their ship. On the other hand, we have, um, I just had an, uh, an interview with, with, uh, with an executive uh, of a luxury uh, cruise ship and he told me that, you know, as long as I have my guests on my ship, I can provide a luxury experience. It is within my power. Uh, um, as soon as I call at Santorini and also those passengers they want to see Santorini mm. I don't have things under control anymore because though my luxury passengers who pay much more than passengers of a mass market ship they have to share the very same Santorini with, with the mass market guests mm. so there uh, he has just little opportunities to provide to provide a luxury experience unless he's extending for example the port stay but then again we are running into the difficulty that uh, then he has to steam uh, at a much higher speed to the next destination yeah. uh, this is not very environmentally friendly so you see there are a lot of the complexity in finding uh, the solution uh, which is which is suiting yeah. to all needs or satisfying all needs is quite difficult get fast forwarding a few years lots more ships going to be built we're all going to be traveling more. Are, are you worried about the future or are you optimistic? I'm slightly optimistic. Optimistic in a way that uh, the moment the consumers are not accepting this kind of overcrowded environment anymore or the moment where the conflicts with the locals are um, increasing in a way where a smooth and safe operation for tourists is not, uh, not possible anymore, then, uh, of course, then something will to have happened. Uh, happen and, and I think that um, 
already today, the, most of the cruise companies did realize uh, very clearly that they have to act. There's a lot of talking going on uh, behind also closed doors. A um, lot of um, solutions are, are being discussed. Uh, but again, um, don't look only at the cruise industry. Mm. How is how are cities like like uh, Barcelona, um, which again um, just a small fraction of their tourists uh, is uh, are cruise tourists? How are they going to solve their problems? And um, I think it's a kind of combination of legislation, of regulation, maybe of pricing, of collaborating mm. and cooperation that will eventually give us some solutions. And a huge thing that you mentioned, of course, is customers saying what they want. You know, we don't want overcrowd. We need some kind of solution. Customers turning their back on an overcrowding situation forces companies, authorities, governments to act, doesn't it, really? I mean, if you have to protect in the future, if you have to protect customers um, from the locals because the locals are getting so angry or so <laughs> negative, you know, against yeah. them. I'm sure that there's nothing, it has nothing to do with a hassle-free vacation. Yeah. So as long as you want to be able uh, to grant a free, hassle-free um, holiday experience for, for, for people, you need to come up with solutions. Yeah. Here, in this respect, I'm quite optimistic. I'm also optimistic because the industry knows very well if this criticism, which is very often, it's, it's, it's quite justified. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we have challenges and we have to solve them and we have to find ways. So um, if this bashing of this form of holiday is going on, I'm sure that uh, this is by for sure not good for the industry so they want to come up with solutions mm. with answers this is the reason why i'm quite optimistic that they will not let ruin their own business model uh, by by still um, continued um, um, criticism like we experience it today great well thomas great to talk to you and, and get your thoughts thank you very much for your time thank you and before we finish this week's podcast here's peter collar to give us a look at the latest news from Australasia, Peter. One skill set of the travel agent that has not changed despite our society's gravitation to the digital age is the role networks and personal relations in our business work. So this week I took time out from Clear Live in Brisbane to speak about this importance of building relations with Mark Richards, Queensland's business development manager for Carnival Australia, who had just flown in from a travel agent conference in Berlin. I think the relationship is a very important aspect of our industry because um, you know, we rely very heavily on our agent partners to be able to you know, sell the product, put the right guest on the right ship. But also we're also there to try and help you guys if anything was to you know, go wrong, things like that, you know, anything any, you need help with. There's a cabin that uh, has, has missed payment and we're trying to clear it, things like that. By having a strong relationship, we're able to go a little bit further, dive deeper into the company to try and get those issues resolved and fixed for you guys. Um, that's one level. On the other level, I strongly believe that it comes down to you know really strong development within your business as well. So, helping you give you give you the right ideas on when to spend marketing, how to use those marketing funds, what avenues work best with us, uh, how best to engage your guests to speak on behalf of our products as well. And I think when we can match those kind of those elements up together, it creates a really really strong relationship. Because um, as Peter mentioned before, you've been over been over a very big party over in um, in Berlin. Uh, you realise that the, the partnership is very very important, and it's very nice to be able to have it go both ways as well, not just one way. So that's what we really appreciate with our trade partners. 
That was Mark Richards, Business Development Manager for Carnival Australia, on the importance of building relations in the cruise industry. And don't forget, more insights on this topic. Uh, There is actually a workshop labelled Making the Most of Your Partnership with Cruise Lines being held during the Cruise 360 conference on August 31 in Sydney. And that'll go into more detail of how to develop these kind of networks and grow your cruise business. Thanks for that, Peter, and thank you again to Jeremy Skidmore, Thomas Ellis, Andy Harmer, Lucy Huxley, and Peter Georgie. Let us know what you thought, and don't forget to share the podcast across the industry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and beyond. We really want to get as many people in the industry involved as we can. And of course, don't forget to follow us on social media. In fact, those in the UK and Ireland are even lucky enough to get more of my voice, and sometimes even my face, uh, in our weekly Clear News vodcast our news roundup of some of the top stories in 60 seconds or less. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your week. I have been Toby Cruz, and we'll see you again in episode five. Happy cruising.